Welcome to the Bad and Bitchy Podcast. I'm Erin. I'm Bailey. And I'm Erica. And we are super excited today. Uh, we have our first guest for the pod. Um, so just hang tight and we'll be right back with her. And we're back. So today we're here with Sachi Cole, a senior writer at BuzzFeed and author of a new collection of essays, One Day We'll All Be Dead and None of This Will Matter. Welcome. Hi. We're so glad you made it all the way from Toronto. It was very far. <laughs> um, and so while we do want to talk about your book, um, let's start by taking a look at what's happening in the world. So I'm not sure if any of you are aware, but uh, we are very, very close perilously close to the 100-day marker of the Trump presidency. So that means we have about 1,300 days of President Trump left. Maybe less if he gets impeached and we're very lucky. So uh, how do you all feel about this? I, th- I thought you were going to say we were getting close to the 150th anniversary because <laughs> I have been, I just hate it so much. And so that's Wait in my head. Wait for it. Wait oh for it. Oh, my God. I, and I don't I even gave live here. this. I'm giving you this. <laughs> like I and and uh, like I hate it and I don't like I don't live in Ottawa so like I'm probably getting a, a very different version of it but here it must be crazy but I hate it and it's so white and it's so annoying. Great. We will get into that okay, later. Sorry, I'm jumping to it. Anyway, Trump's going to kill us all. So everything's fine. So so status quo. Yeah. Yeah. Everything's fine. We're just going to die. <laughs> what else? Sometimes I just read about fashion and makeup just to get away. Really? Yeah. Like, I, I just can't sometimes. I just, I, I can't. I've been watching a lot of beauty vloggers on YouTube. I've been watching a lot of Manny MUA and Jeffree Star. Jeffree Star. Yeah. yeah. He's, like, terrible. He's, he's terrible. Well, he's racist. I don't think we can, I think we can just say he's racist, right? Yeah, he's a racist. Yeah, he's a racist. Yeah. And, like, there's, like, footage of him, I'm like, like hitting why girls. I... I don't know why you're, like, I, I know. Of all the podcasts, you'd think that I would be, like... What a fucking racist. Yeah, he's like soups racist. <laughs> soups. Uh, I have no idea who this is. <laughs> yeah. It's, oh, okay. You know what? Probably for the best. I yeah, it's he, best. He's a, he's a makeup vlogger on YouTube, and he also owns a makeup company. That's actually good. Like, mm-hmm. I really like those lipsticks, so yeah. it's kind of upsetting that he's a racist, because now I don't want to wear racist lipstick. No, thank you. So, fun fact. Yeah. Uh, Michelle Fan. Mm. Um, I used to get in... Internet fights with her back in the day on Zanga. <gasps> really? Zanga. Yeah. Wait, why? About what? <laughs> she was, I don't know. She was just really annoying. So, like, my friends would pick fights with her. And then Isn't I would... she very young, though? Yeah. It was, like, 2003. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I mean, she's, like, the same age as you. <laughs> uh, wait. Similar? I'm trying to figure out the math on this. Isn't she? She's, like, I thought she was, like, 22 right now. I don't know. No, I, I believe you. I'm just trying to figure out how old she was. Saying <laughs> it feels feels perilously young. I don't know. How old is she? Do we know? I'm googling. Yeah, it says she's 30 years. She's 30? <laughs> really? Oh, I have Ugh. terrible skin. That's not good. Those Asians, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically, we're all practicing self care. That's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Uh, in the age of Trump. A lot of loofing. 
A lot of exfoliating. <laughs> oh. Face scrubs, skin masks. Oh, I microdermabrasion Serums. last night. Did you? Yeah. Great. For my uh, Sephora kit. I don't even know what that means anymore. Skincare has gotten very confusing. It really has. I can't engage. And a lot of it is like about, <laughs> it's like technically about getting whiter, which stresses me out. Like a lot of these Korean products are actually supposed to make, like they they call them brightening masks, but they're like, this will make you white. <laughs> so like right out of the gate, I'm like, do I want this? This is the same thing with contouring when it was like, how can I make your nose look like a toothpick? Mm, hard pass. Yeah. I've derailed I, this entire conversation. No, it's totally fine. I can mean, this podcast be about my face, please? And the things I don't want to do to it. Sure. Great. Yeah. Great. Very malleable people <laughs> here. Um, so anyways, getting things back on track. Um, so <laughs> thanks, guys. Um, over the past few months, we've seen a lot of people uh, across the U.S. and Canada um, become increasingly interested in politics, policy, and how those things affect their lives. Um, we've had the Women's March. We had the Tax March. We had the March for Science last weekend. And this weekend, we have the Climate March. And women are playing a central role in a lot of these movements. And what do you guys see as a role for women in the quote-unquote hashtag resistance? Oh. That's a big question. <laughs> like a really intense question. Right out of the gate. Go big or go home. Erica gave us a big eye roll. I guess they're going to knit hats. I don't know, man. <laughs> they're going to knit hats and they're going to get tattoos that say, nevertheless, she persisted. That's what I've seen so far. <laughs> I don't know. That's a huge question. I don't know. I think I've seen a role for white women in all of these yeah. movements, for sure. I haven't really figured out where the rest of us are supposed to play into it. Back of the bus. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, like it. It. I'm. I. It's such a weird thing because right now I'm. I'm sort of seeing this second wave of, uh, I guess, sympathy for Ivanka. Yes. I don't know if you've been noticing mm-hmm. this. Oh yes. And I'm. I, I don't think everybody's doing it, but enough people are doing it now that I'm. I'm noticing that this is kind of a thing that's ha- on the internet. I don't. I. This is the other problem. I live on the internet. Same. So I'm like, how much of this is real? I don't know. But Who like, doesn't though. My, oh, my, I guess. like an entire Trump generation, voters. <laughs> children, Trump voters. yeah, a lot of voters are on the internet. Well, like, what it, my Twitter account did not indicate he was going to win, so I clearly exactly. live in a very different world, which I'm happy to. But like, whatever the case is, there is something about this anxiety about you know poor her, blah blah blah. Like, don't shouldn't we feel sorry for her? And I'm like, this is an adult. Like, this is an adult who has squeezed three other people out of her. Like, she's an adult person, and she is making choices. Mm -hmm. And now I have to feel sorry for her because nobody wants to buy her weird bracelets on the shopping channel. Like, it's such a – is that the Canadian one or whatever? It's such a weird – it's just such a weird thing that's happening. So now I can't even think about, like, the resistance because I feel like I'm having these really basic conversations about, like, no, I don't feel bad for this, like, rich white lady. No, it's just like the on um, last week tonight or this week tonight or whatever the John Oliver show is. It's a bunch of words that are all the kind of the same and interchangeable um, that I watch on YouTube because <laughs> HBO and TV I don't have. Um, anyways, and so he, part of his video or rant on her and Jared was that she's an expert at saying absolutely nothing. Oh, it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. nothing. And it's a skill. It really is. Yeah. 
Like she should be in PR and I mean, crisis she is. comms. She is. She is in crisis in crisis PR. Her enti- her father's entire presidency is crisis. Like <laughs> that's exactly why she's there. If this was going well, she wouldn't be useful. It's the poor little white girl syndrome. Oh yeah. It's the we want to protect the poor little blonde pretty white girl, the Maria Sharapova mm. syndrome. Ugh. It is it is excruciatingly um, infantilizing too, because why are we pretending that Ivanka doesn't have the chops to run that entire presidency? Why she's gonna she's gonna press the button exactly. <laughs> it's Ivanka that's gonna press the button. Yeah. Not even Jared has a shot in hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's only the brother in or the son in law. He's yeah, expendable exactly. Yeah. So there's this infantilizing of white women. And then there's this protection of white women, and um, it turns out into poor Ivanka. And again, Maria Sharapova, and there was another one. Gwyneth Paltrow was another one. Kendall Jenner. Kendall oh. Jenner. Thank you. Thank you. I How forget- did I forget that? I don't know, because I was the one that last week was like, I feel a little bit bad for her. And, you're and like, then, do not feel bad for her. I was like, no. <laughs> well, she got her money. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, it's true. She's fine. She'll be fine. They st- Also, this is like a side note, but she was styled terribly in that ad. Yes, oh, she God. was. What? It looked like a denim factory barfed on Thank her. Thank you. That what wig was, was awful. On? The wig was weird. Also, like... I'm sorry, but did they not think about the optics of her like shoving a blonde wig at a black woman as she walked away? Like, did no one think about the gifting, at least of that part? Like, the re- obviously the rest of it is, is a mess, but like, at least did no one think like, mm, that's not good. And then they also people slowed it down to see what the woman's face was, and she looked like somebody had handed her a ball of fire. Like, it is so tragic. It's like no one thought of that at least. And also, they put her in like eight <laughs> denim jackets. I don't know what's going on. It's all Hold bad. Hold my purse. <laughs> I'm going to protest for you. <laughs> yeah, but you stay here. You got you got some stuff to finish. You Back of the bus. Yeah. <laughs> on the upside, she was shedding the blonde hair. She's still white. <laughs> like I feel like we keep forgetting this because like some of the Kardashians are technically not, mm-hmm. but the two youngest oh, yeah. are super white, yep. regardless of. Ooh, Regardless of like what they what how they're manipulating their bodies, yeah. they're still white ladies. I forget all the time. I forget all the time that they're white because they look so similar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris Jenner's jeans, man. She's incredible. Yeah. I she should get a Peabody for something. I haven't figured out what yet, but for something. <laughs> Didn't Beyonce get a Peabody? She did. Do you think she starts sentences with that? <laughs> My Peabody as a Peabody winner. <laughs> I will not be taking this Is there place. anything Beyonce can't do? That's no, the question. I'm afraid of her. <laughs> I'm afraid of her. I'm afraid of people who like her. I'm afraid of, like, I'm afraid of everything. What about the Bajancy? Yeah, I'm not. I can't engage with that. I got enough enemies on the internet. So what you're saying is in terms of the resistance is that some work needs to be done still for uninclusiveness and intersectionality. Well, it just seems silly to think that it's going to be like a cohesive movement. That's impossible. I mean, what, what we're asking is for like a wide swath of people who disagree with one guy to come together and agree on like five points. It's never going to happen. I mean, everybody's got really different um, different objectives and they've got different priorities. I'm sure, our, I'm sure you and I have different priorities and I'm sure you and I do too. So mm-hmm. I think it's not a question of like 
how we sort of like I don't think a movement is like a, is the right word but it's finding a way for everybody to sort of get some space and get some time at the mic and get some some opportunity. I mean, I don't know. I'm not a I don't know how to fix things. If I did, I I'd, I'd be in politics. I'm <laughs> I'm a writer, so all I do is point things out when they're bad. <laughs> but um yeah, I mean, it's it's unrealistic to think that it's just going to be like, well, this these are the five and we're going to work on these. We haven't been able to do that in all of history. Mhm. And do you guys think that Canada does a better job at using an intersectional lens in terms of its... <laughs> I can't even finish the question because eyeball, I'm just getting eye rolls. Her eyeballs are going to snap out of her head. <laughs> like... Because I can't. I, I know. can't let... Like, they, I, just like, she's asking real <laughs> devil's advocate questions and you probably knew them beforehand, but she, like, I will call the police because your eyeballs are going to fall out. <laughs> Like it's gonna be like in Beetlejuice, where I have to like pick the eyes yeah. up off the floor, yeah. put them on my fingers. There's like a James Harden gift that like has this epic eye rolled with like the neck involved, and I'm like, I want this. I want to replicate this. You're doing it a lot. Okay. I mean, life goal achieved. Right. Yeah. So Canada, no. <laughs> in a word. No. Um. You know what? I'll I'll stick with no because I already did the eye roll. <laughs> so I think that took care of it. We need to start live streaming so yeah. that people can see your eyeballs. Just just do a gif of it so everybody. Just knows an what Erica it looks cam. Like. Yeah. <laughs> I need a videographer actually <laughs> to like follow me yeah. around and just like take random photos. Oh, you should be on one of the Real Housewives of uh, of Toronto. You should move and then become one of the Real Housewives of Toronto. I would kill somebody. Have you been watching it? No. no, but I am Real Housewife of Atlanta. I've picked up again. Okay. Apparently, I haven't been watching this season, but now mm. I feel like I need to watch the whole thing because they're doing a four-part reunion. It's going to last a month. <laughs> they're what? doing a month of reunion episodes. And apparently, I don't remember who it was, but one of them presents fake divorce papers. And so Andy Phaedra? Cohen... I don't know. It, the one whose husband went to jail? See, I already don't know. Oh. <laughs> like, I don't know. Because I haven't watched in such yeah. a long time. But she presented fake divorce papers, so then Andy Cohen was like, I am firing this person. Yeah, that's Phaedra Parks. I, I feel that. like there's a lot of husbands going to jail on The Real Housewives. Because didn't that happen in New Jersey or something, too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then Jersey it also sign. happened in, on, I think, Love and Hip Hop. Hollywood oh. or New York? Maybe New York. The was one it that, New York? The one that... Um, Vendices, didn't he go to jail? I think, like Benzie. <sighs> yeah, like Peter Guns is on the same one. Yes. And so is uh, Cardi B. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I've been listening to a lot of Cardi B lately. That's good. Yo, <laughs> I'm into what? it. What? I know. Stop with the Cardi B love. Okay. I'm kind of sad she got her teeth fixed though. Did you yeah. see oh, that? Oh, you know she got her teeth fixed. I know. I get it. Yeah. Spiritually, I get it, and yeah. I would do the same thing. Yeah. But also, I'm like, I liked it. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I liked it. Meanwhile, Bailey's just like, I just watched the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> Bailey, Bailey, I got you, girl. Do you watch the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders auditions? Do you ever watch that? They have no, but I show? used to. Oh my god, it's, it's so a good. TLC show, right? Well, it's actually on CMT. Oh my now, god, the country okay. music television. When I had cable, I think I, I watched it on whatever <laughs> came with the package. That thing is terrifying. Oh, I just yeah. love shows where women fight. I, and <laughs> Kelly Thinglass is real. She will fuck you up. Yeah, I'm afraid of them. <laughs> yeah. So tell me about Toronto. Real Housewives uh, of Toronto. Say it again? Tell me about Real Housewives of Toronto. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's a wreck. 
It's so weird. I like. I'm. I love it. It's and it's so stupid. They've like very perfectly encapsulated like a good first season of like all of this is dumb. And they've been having this <laughs> just like fight. Real Housewives of Vancouver. Totally right. But that one I feel suffered because it got too real. Like they accused one girl of being an alcoholic and she yeah. owned a vineyard. And you're like, like, <laughs> like if that's if that's true, like oh that my god, sucks. <laughs> like I don't know what you do with that. But this one's kind of fun. There's they're like having an <laughs> they're having an argument about like Kara because Kara's a born again Christian. She doesn't. She's just not a lot of fun. So she gets mad when all the other girls get too drunk at her party. Mm. Which like they were a little. I mean like to me I was like well that's like a Tuesday. But like I guess <laughs> to her it was really unseemly. So then they go to Muskoka. It's ridiculous. First of all, they keep referring to Muskoka as the Hamptons of Toronto, which we're like, no, it's not. Like, I can go there. <laughs> but do they hang out with Tony Clement? I don't, not yet. Does he live in, I don't even know where he is anymore. I, I saw one episode and they like had a big fight in a dog park. And I was like, why would Correct. you go to the dog park because, to have a fight? To wear stretchy like, pants. Yeah, and she was like, I'm mad at you. But it's because I love you. Yeah. Oh, and no, no, no. It's, like, it's it's speaking truth from love. Right. Speaking truth from love. Speaking yeah. truth from yeah. love. Which yeah. is like hilarious white woman speak. Like it doesn't make any sense. I do like it because there's one, there's a brown girl on it and oh, she's really? plus size. So she's like oh, cool. cool. And there was this really tragic episode where she goes, oh, this is so stupid. She goes to Kara's house to like try on these gowns because some designer's shown up. Oh, and this does not oh, end well. And there are, yes. there's nothing in her size. Because, like, she obviously didn't tell him, like, hey, I have somebody who's not, like, a two. And but, yeah, didn't one of the women, like, not, like you said, not tell? She didn't. Like, Cara, she... I'm very anti-Karen. I'm very <laughs> pro-Roxy. <laughs> I'm really invested in these people who I don't know. But so help me God, if I run into them, I will take a photo. I will take a photo oh, with yeah. them and at them. <laughs> That Don't think you're nice. leaving here without one either. Okay. <laughs> Great. You can see me in like my most garbage outfit. Oh, right. We were talking about Canada. And it's, oh, right. Yeah. Well, I know, Erica, you wanted to talk about the state of feminism in Canada. What is the state of feminism in Canada, actually? That was really my question. Like, I, I'm not sure where we, I'm not sure where we are. I'm not sure there's a collective idea that Paid that we need feminism in Canada. I'm not even sure if we've reached that part. I guess it depends on who you ask. Yeah. Probably. But I think that's maybe true of the states. The states has a critical mass that I think we forget. They have so uh, yes, many, they have yes, so many that's people. True. That's true. So sometimes movements sound really loud. And this is, again, what I'm saying about like the spaces you occupy. <laughs> I don't know anybody who was like pro-Trump in the states, but obviously there were a lot of them. So I think here it can feel like the same thing, and we just don't have that many people. So like, if you can get a million people down with something here, it's like that's a kind of a big deal. It's a huge deal. Yeah. I think also it's a little bit more at the forefront of the discussion in America, just because like abortion isn't and choice isn't like a thing that is just an expectation, and it's not normalized there as it is here sure. in the But same I mean, way. here there's like a huge issue of access. Like there are swaths of the country where you can't find abortion clinics. Um, and they also have different, they have different things on like when you can get it, what kind it's, what kind of abortion you mm -hmm. can get. There's stuff about like, if you go and get a medical abortion, they might send you home to miscarry at home. Basically, if you, yeah. if you're getting an abortion because you're like, you can't carry mm -hmm. the term or something like that, they might send you home. Like things like that, like 
to me don't sound ideal. So I guess it is sort of about perspective in that same way. And I mean, like PEI, I think just got their first abortion clinic, right? And that's crazy to me. Yeah. Because like, where else do you go? Like you're literally, you're literally you're in the middle literally of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. Like where are you supposed to go? Shut up, PEI. Sorry, guys. You made a choice. I let like one person from PEI writes in and is like, how dare you? Um, also, I think that, like, we do, we get maternity leave in Canada, too, Yeah, that's right? a big one. We're not mm-hmm. have to go, going back to work. And, oh, like, but don't worry. Ivanka's going to fix that. That's, like, her whole thing. She's going to fix it. With her boo, Justin. What? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it took me such a long time. I was like, Timberlake? What? <laughs> Is that bad that that's my instinct? I hate him, too. Anyway, I hate him, fine. too. No, he's the he, worst. Justin Timberlake's up. Wait, who are we talking about now? Oh, well, she was talking about Trudeau. Oh, so I was talking about Justin Timberlake. Yeah, but when I said I hate him too, yeah. I, I also hate Justin Timberlake. Timberlake. Yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he's the worst. Yeah. I'm only now just catching him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, that guy. Oh, that guy. <laughs> yeah. Sexy back. Right. Yeah. I was, it was the Trudeau one that I was like, I just missed that altogether. Yeah. <laughs> Where, um, uh, our Justin, our Justin is in Toronto, right? Right now? Talking about weed? Or was that yesterday? He was there a couple days ago. For advice, right? Yeah. 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 I haven't caught up on that yet, so I'm not sure what he said. But Oh, really? Jesus. <laughs> Did he roll his sleeves up? <laughs> oh, girl. <laughs> he told a very heartwarming story of his childhood. Oh. Because his dad had connections. Oh. Go, lo and behold. What? So let me Wait, give, so what? Let us, let us give you context. Uh-oh. Oh, no. oh. Let us give you context. Okay. What happened was a young man named Malik, who's a young black man, uh-huh. said, look, I just got charged for possession. This is going to seriously adversely affect my future. Wait, you asked him this, like, In live? the town. Ta- yes. Girl, please. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you should be laughing. All right, go ahead. And then, so, you know, Trudeau responds with this heartwarming story about his brother and how his brother was caught or charged with possession and how daddy uh, used his connections to get him off. So the dude's like, yo, what about me? And he's like, well, we got nothing for you. He did he said that? No, he didn't he say that. I'm paraphrasing <laughs> that. <laughs> well, what did he say? He didn't say much of anything. He just like, sort just, of like yeah, talked he around was, it. He was like, well, we don't have any plans for that right now. Wait, so his story. He basically said the law is the law yeah, still. Yeah. And so his story was like, my dad was the prime minister, so he got my brother off a minor drug charge, but unfortunately your father isn't, so I can't help you. Yep. That <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. Um, In a nutshell. Yeah. He's. Oh, it's a good thing he's got good hair. Yeah. Lucky. Yeah. Lucky, lucky for that. Yeah. He gets his hair cut at the same place where I get waxed, so. (laughs) I get told Like together? Like in the same room? (laughs) No, not the same room. It's an adjoining salon. You should ask to do it together. Maybe you'll get a discount. Oh. Maybe he gets waxed there, too. You don't know. This is true. I could totally see him waxing. It makes you very aerodynamic. He's a waxer. He's a waxer. And there's nothing wrong with that, to be clear, to each their own. No, but it's just like the image of the prime minister getting waxed. That's funny. Well, I don't know. There's like, (laughs) he's like our most viral 
person at this point. Like, I feel like we have images of him doing everything. Yeah. It's true. A lot, lot of puka shell necklaces and Careless. like, yeah, a lot of. I've, I've seen more of his more of his chest than my own at this point. So I, I don't know if there's anything. Yeah. So, do we feel that like maybe now feminism in Canada doesn't? People think it's fine because the liberals are feminist. I think there are a lot of people who probably think that because Trudeau says the right things to sort of chill you out. Um, but again, I think it depends on like what generation you're speaking to. And like my mom's like, cool. <laughs> but my mom is like a 60 something year old. Oh, I shouldn't say her name. Oh, whatever. A 60 something <laughs> year old immigrant. Like she came from India. It's a very different place. It was a very different place and continues to be very different. And so to her, she's like, isn't that neat? Mm-hmm. Like that's, that was it. But my, but I feel like that was also the thing about like a uh, a Hillary win in the states felt symbolic in a in a really specific way, and there were a lot of women who were just like, "I would love to be alive for this," and I almost feel like that's kind of what's happening here. Is everyone's like, "It's just it, I, I'm just happy I'm alive for this <laughs> to have happened while I can see it," which is a sad low bar. But like, look who we had for what nine years before, like. It's it's really again about like what your metric is, and the bar is set so low for these guys. Like, mm-hmm. it's incredible. Like even for the conservative leadership, like can you speak French? Great, get in. Like that's like <laughs> there's there's th- that's it. There's just nothing. You know, are you racist? Well, whatever. <laughs> but can you speak French? Get in the car. Like it's so weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we do have exceptionally low standards mm-hmm. for our politicians. Very, very low. We do not hold them accountable for much. And then we complain. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, uh, when you're ready to do the work, yeah. come come check me. Yeah, and I think there's and there's a it's a different kind of work here because it's a proportional government. That's right. So in the States it's a little different because you're like, well, these are the two that I got. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like that's it. Yeah. And here it's like, okay, well, I have four options, but I'm technically voting for someone in my riding who like might be like it, it's it's work. It's just a different kind of work. And mm-hmm. I, I can see why people are like, okay, whatever. I don't and I remember, actually, I remember when Trudeau won um, the majority, and I remember thinking, like, this feels like an, an overcorrection. Oh, yeah. Like, it, it just, it felt like a lot more than it, seemed, mm-hmm. than it merited. Mm-hmm. Um, I understood the win. Mm-hmm. It made sense, but it just seemed like we were all, like, spazzing out. We're like, we got to fix this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. we got to do something. And I think, I wonder if something similar might happen in the States with the next election. I, don't, I mean, it all very much depends on the next we still have 1,300 oh my days. God. Okay, Carly, you're America <laughs> seems to do that. It seems to swing the pendulum back and forth. Wildly. 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 Well, a, a part of that is, like, the theory was Trump partly won because there was a big backlash to Obama winning, they felt. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it. there's this anxiety about, like, well, a black man feels like he can run things. That seems untoward. Mm-hmm. Some man with a... In my head, he's got a like monocle? A, a monocle that falls into his drink. I don't know why. He's the <laughs> Monopoly man in my head. Um, I thought Citizen Kane for some reason. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah, okay. Let's go with that. Yeah. Sure. The same thing. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, but because of that, then the pendulum swings very widely. But again, they don't, it's not proportional. So it's like he lost the popular vote, but he won, what is it, the, the Electoral the College. Electoral, yeah. So then that's it. Mm-hmm. But I mean... I don't even know what I was talking about now. I'm just sad. Overcorrecting. Oh, yeah. I mean, that it, it feels like... And so maybe that'll happen in the States, but this is one of the things about... So if he starts a war, war presidents are 
historically reelected because mm-hmm. people like to stay the course and you trust the devil you know and not the one that you don't. So that scares me because I don't that would shift the next election greatly. But I'd be curious to see if there is another massive swing. There are people freaking out because they're like, he's taking away my health care. And everyone else is like, well, he said he was going to take away your health care. <laughs> like it was the one thing he said consistently. And now you're panicking because you didn't know that the Affordable Care Act and Obamacare were the same thing. Well, and he also said health care for everyone. Sure. That's a lovely thing to say. I would also like to be like, everybody gets money. Yeah. And then leave the room because <laughs> you all starve. But like, that's not possible. I think the midterms are going to be really interesting. Mm. And that's what I'm going to wonder. That's when I think it's, it's a first real test of this resistance. If the, I'm, I'm not sure if the House can even switch, to be honest. But if the Senate, if the House comes close and the Senate switches, then, I'm, then I will be like, okay, there's something growing here. There's something grassroots here, right? If not, I'll be like, well... You deserve the government you got. Yeah. Well, they've you know? already had those two special elections in Georgia and Kansas, right? So they like they're both like heavily Republican districts, where I think they were ones in Kansas was Republican all in like the House and presidential, and then in Kansas they were previously Obama voters that voted like slightly ahead for Trump, and then they are always had Republican House. And they were both, like, the Democrats just, like, had, saw a boost in both of those elections. They don't deserve it. They don't. They don't. Yeah. They no. Have, they haven't done, the Democrats no. haven't done the work. They either. haven't done They've the work. They've been incredibly cowardly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I don't want to see or hear Chelsea either. Oh, yeah. I yes. don't think she's, I don't think she's actually doing anything, is she? I thought everybody else was just saying she was. I, I, that's how it starts. And that's, okay, fair enough. Yeah. She started a foundation, didn't she? Oh, God. I thought that was with her family. Did like she lean in? <laughs> I don't know. I know she was, in, well, she was involved in that, but I think I saw something that she was starting a foundation. I don't think I have the bandwidth to care about her right now. No. You know what I mean? Like, no. I'll, I guess I will once I feel like there's a reason to, but right now I'm like, she's just some lady. Yeah. What ifs? Everybody's getting real hot about it in either direction. I'm like, all of you are wrong. <laughs> like, I think that for a long time she was just biting her tongue because of the role and she needed to not say anything controversial. Well, her mother was also like, she was working and she was, uh, she was in New York and then she, like, yeah. She but now she's, I think the shackles are off and well, she can have mo- an opinion. Her mom's done. Like, her, like uh, Hillary's shackles are off. She's like giving all, she's doing all these um, interviews and these speeches where she's like kind of letting loose a little bit, which is, I guess, I think nice. But like, yeah, I mean, she hasn't, she hasn't, Chelsea hasn't been able to say anything since she was like 15. Yeah. Right? Like, because her, I don't know how old she was when her dad um, was president, but I mean, truly, she's not been able to say anything for like mm-hmm. a really long time. And she is, what, in her late 30s now? Mid 30s? Yeah. Somewhere around there. She is also an adult. Like, yeah. yeah, she's like 35, 38. Right. So, like, that's a long time to not say anything. I wonder if part of it is just that frustration of being like, well, you know what? <laughs> like, all these dum dums are out of it now, and maybe I can say something. But um, I don't, I have almost no opinion on her right now. I guess I will consider it when it becomes, like, a legitimate thing. But I think, like, putting your support behind her is silly because, like, who is she? And mm-hmm. then also, like, getting mad about it and being like, she's a disaster. Like, it's also just wasteless or yeah. wasteful. Yeah. Okay, so let's switch gears and talk about what is probably a very favorite topic of yours. Mm. Yourself. Ah! 
<laughs> I'm a real narcissist, so that's fine. <laughs> um, so... In addition to your writing focusing a lot about the immigrant experience, your writing is obviously about feminism and intersectionality. And is that something that has always permeated your writing or has that more evolved as you've matured, identified topics that are important to you, and you've found your voice? Um, probably. I think, like, in a, in a way, I think there are little ways that you sort of have feminist theory enter your life and you don't know it so yeah I'm sure there were ways that that was happening and I think in terms of intersectionality unavoidably the way that you exist in the world will be affected by those politics but I don't think it was something I was thinking about until uh my 20s when I started I was working at Hazlitt which is a, a website it's owned by Penguin Random House in Toronto um and I think there I had editors that were sort of forcing me to think bigger about things and forcing me to think wider and so that ends up sort of affecting the way that you think about your political writing at least mm -hmm. and so how is how is your feminism and your intersectionality been influenced by being the child of immigrants um one of the funny things about uh being not white <laughs> in Canada is that then when you go back to the source material you can be considered very white and so this was one of the things is in the book, you know, me and my family, we go back to, to India and I am, we are considered very fair there. Mm -hmm. And so the treatment ends up shifting and then you have this complete, completely different understanding of privilege and power and, and how those things function and how you're served by them. And then you also have a different understanding of uh, what kind of comfort level you have here at home, which is, this is, you know, this is home to me. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think stuff like that ends up kind of affecting the way I look at it, but uh, you know, invariably, I've had a, a probably a different upbringing because of my parents being immigrants more than anything else. I mean, you know, we there are people in our family who are brown, but their parents were born here, mm -hmm. uh, or at least their parents came where they were very young, and they've sort of lost attachments to language and food and things like things that sort of tether you. And I think even there, they have very different experiences themselves though technically they are also first gen. Right. So, yeah, it's little things. It's the little and the big. It's all the things. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, um, when I travel, I understand the privilege of being Western and of being a Western minority. Mm -hmm. That is a strong privilege. Mm -hmm. Citizenship itself is its own privileged beast. Oh, yeah. And it's so much more important now as we, as, you know, the world is, well, it's going to hell. But, you know, it's, I really truly understood that, for example, in, I'll go with America. Mm -hmm. America does not like their own blacks, but <laughs> they like, white America, I mean, they like foreign blacks. Oh, they love it. They mm -hmm. love foreign so blacks. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's like, in France, they don't like, again, White France does not like their own blacks. Mm -mm. Or the immigrants that come from They, any they don't immigrant. like any immigrant. They yeah. don't like any immigrant. But if you are black from Canada, the U.S., it's yeah. like... A Western country. It's, yeah. It's, it's not only a Western country. You have to be, like, from the New World, like, Canada and the U.S. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. a different... Oh, yeah. They treat you differently. It's... I, I. That's what opened my eyes, to be honest. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I mean, like, being in India, that was sort of a similar experience, is that coming from 
uh, first of all, they call camp, all of it is America. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, you're all, always American. They're like, whatever, close enough. <laughs> Which I guess, like, mm, fair. Like, what am I going to argue with you for? But um, it's all sort of this one big wash, but there is a lot of, uh, there's this weird tension I find, and this is true of a lot of communities, between mm-hmm. like people who live in non white majority countries and the diaspora that ends up leaving. Um, and there's, I ha- I don't know what the overwhelming feeling is. I'm guessing it probably differs on person to person, but some of it is uh, anger about the fact that someone left, about immigration. They don't like that people leave. Sometimes it's real envy that they wanted to go. I know that within our family, there's we have lots of relatives that would have liked to have moved but couldn't or whatever else. There's also a lot who are kind of upset with us because my dad took off and like <laughs> decided to set up shop here. Um, so like the, it's yeah there's like there's a ton of privileges but there's so many like tricky complications between those communities and they're so different like so, uh, you know a woman my age who's living in India is going to have a very who looks like me will have a very different life than I do here mm-hmm. just by the nature of the people she's around and the culture she's in um, and then unfortunately we're going to have a lot of things that are probably really similar in how we're treated and like how mm-hmm. how patriarchal influences affect India versus North America and and the subtleties of both and. So, yeah, I don't know. So it's, it's a lot of work. <laughs> so you were tweeting the other day that a white dad told you that he loved your book. I love him. I didn't get his name, but I'm calling him Steve. <laughs> Is there a whiter name? Andrew. Uh, Greg? Oh, Kyle. Oh, oh. You know what? Scott. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Scott's a white one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so how do you tap into those experiences that you've had in order to make them accessible and relatable to people who are not only of color, but also white? Yeah. Um, I don't, I like, I don't, I don't, I don't write for an audience that needs to be like explained things in a simplistic way. And I don't dumb things down. There's, there's language in the book. Like there are words that I don't translate cause I don't mm-hmm. feel like I need to. And I mean, that's, that's a, tr- that's a tricky question. Cause I find it something that's asked of m- largely women, mostly women of color who write about those experiences because you kind of have to uniform your experiences to be accessible to a white audience or else you're mm-hmm. not going to be profitable, which, you know, the book has done, I think pretty well. And I've been really happy with it in the last like, you know, two months, but I don't think I've had to, I had to format it in a way that was appealing to people who didn't inherently get it. Um, I wrote it honestly, like for Brown girls first, and Mm -hmm. then everyone else is like, great, I'm very happy you're reading it. And I hope that you got something out of it. Um, but there's no reason why the experience has to be, um, shifted to comfort a white audience. And there's no reason why you can't read it as a white person and find something to pull away from it. Everybody's got a dad. <laughs> like, you know, I don't know what your relationship Everybody's is. Everybody's had a zipper get listen, stuck in a yeah. dressing room. <laughs> everyone's had some sort of hell. Like, everyone's got a family. You've got something going on in your, like, history that, and you will find something here. Yeah. Um, so, switching to kind of, like, the online stuff, um, you're, you're very open and very not filtered, um, which kind of gives the impression of being very transparent. Yeah. But you still kind of, like, there's still, like, a distance. Sure. And an intimacy that I kind of experienced in reading through the book that isn't kind of translated to online. Yeah. Um, and even in your your essays, generally, there you show another more vulnerable side. 
Um, how has that process been for you as a person of color? Because generally, we don't sh- we're not we don't like being we're vulnerable. not sharers. Yeah, we don't like being vulnerable. We don't like being weak. Yeah, I mean, I guess I think of it as like I I get I get where people get intimacy from, and I'm I'm glad you should you should feel some intimacy if you're going to read somebody's like personal stories. But it's just ten. They're just ten stories. So you got ten of my ten good stories that I've got. I'll have more when my family dies. So like, <laughs> stay tuned. But like, y- you get ten, um, and I don't feel any loss with that. Like it doesn't feel like I'm giving anything up. There's lots of things that I could write about that I choose not to. I don't write about my relationship in any you know significant way because I've made a choice right now. I don't want to. Um, I don't really write about sex. I don't really write about, uh, like eating or weight yet. I mean, maybe I will. I'm just, I don't feel like those are things that I want to do right now, but I don't, I, to me, it doesn't feel like a, like a thing I'm giving or it doesn't feel like a real vulnerability because ultimately like I know everybody's thinking about these things. Mm -hmm. I'm just writing it down. So there's like, there's nothing to me that, that, that's really anxiety, uh, written, my only concern was like I didn't want my parents to read it because I don't want to deal with that phone call, which like my oh I know that phone call right where they're like mm-hmm. why 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 did you air our dirty why laundry why did you do it to me yeah it's always like how did why did you take this from me mm-hmm. that's the best one mm-hmm. like there's a part in the book where uh, when I told my mom I was seeing this guy who's much older and white. She said, I, I will write it in my own blood that I will never speak to you again. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? Like, what happened to you that this is a normal <laughs> sentence that was formatted in your head that you then said out loud, sincerely, weeping on the phone? Like, this is the phone call I don't want to have. <laughs> was that an immediate response or did, was there a pause? When she said it? Yeah. It was like right out, right out of the gate. Like she had been sitting on it for like twenty years. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say this. She and like it's re, it's she's incredible. She's just a menace. But like, and she will continue to do this. But like that's the thing that makes me nervous. But like everybody else, it's like, well, if you read it and you think I'm dumb, like okay, <laughs> thanks for your money. <laughs> like, what can I say? Okay, that's fine. <laughs> Listen, I need to buy a boat. So, like, you can buy as many of these as you want and hate them. That's fine. You need to be a Muskoka with, with the real With Roxy. Right? Me and Roxy, will, me and Roxy and Anne. And Tony Clement, he'll serenade you with Why his guitar. Stop yeah, throwing yeah. Tony Clement in there. Tony Clement coming in? <laughs> I think Shania Twain also has a place in Muskoka. Oh, I heard that. She's too. having, she has a new album coming out. First She's album back. in 15 years. Post, oh, wow, really? Post-Mutt. Yeah. Yeah, very Ooh, excited about this. Yeah, it's gonna be. She's got some receipts album. there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I hope she's mad in it. Oh yeah, yeah. Bitch. If I gotta, if I gotta listen to any of like these like Vaseline smeared Shania songs, I'm gonna lose it. I hope she's mad. I hope oh, she's yeah. real. Like, yeah, that's mad. I don't know. I'm mad all the time, so <laughs> that's my only feeling. <laughs> um. So I don't know, Erica. If you had any questions about uh, growing up in Alberta. Well, I am oh, going no. to... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Girl, please. I'm from Edmonton. Oh, we have to fight. I know. Oh, I know. I was, that's disappointing. I really uh, liked well. you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, whatever. Edmonton sucks, but go on. And Calgary's white. 
I'm sorry. You think Edmonton's not white? Edmund Calgary was always whiter than Edmonton. Oh, that is hilarious. Millwoods, really? Really? Who? How long is what? Millwoods? Right. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> so this is my story. So so I'm gonna. I'm what gonna, just I'm, happened? I'm, I'm uh, you know what? Honestly, I don't even like Calgary that much, and I feel so affronted. <laughs> This is such a slap in the face. And like I don't care ordinarily. Like ordinarily be like, whatever, I moved Ooh, out of there. Are the Oilers still in the playoffs though? That's your thing? No. That's the thing you're gonna cling to? Oh, the please. Oilers? Yeah. Jesus Christ. For today? Yeah. That is today? like that is the that is yeah. That is tragic. Okay. I'm just saying. Aaron and I have literally no idea what's going on. We're like, we don't know. This anything. isn't about you. <laughs> it's about us. I'm like, the Canucks are real bad. <laughs> we have any what? Coach? Yeah, I don't. You too? I'm like, I'm like, like we're talking Who? about. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> well, Marshawn Lynch is back, so there. Yeah, that's okay. true. Yeah. So, uh, so now I'm going to go back to loving you. Mm. Okay, so I'll the face there. of Feud the new over. West. This is oh, yeah. that in Maisonev. I was just like, okay, you start out with this story of the dog who defecated in, what was it, the library? Yeah, yeah. Can, can you, can you how did the dog get in the library? Okay, you know what? I don't understand. And <laughs> I don't know what happened. It, I was in kindergarten. Or, yeah, I think you were in our first grade. <gasps> mm-hmm. I wrote the story a while ago, so forgive me because some of the details might be foggy. That's but, okay, girl. I made notes. Um, <laughs> you can correct me on my own anecdotes. <laughs> um, but we were in the library, and it was like reading time for my class. We're running around, and then a bunch of these like very, very fragile white girls start crying because they have stepped in dog poop. So there was some. I don't. I think it was maybe a service dog or something. Like I would be surprised if there was just like a pup roaming around. Or I don't know, maybe it's Calgary, whatever. But like, a dog had pooped in the library, and so, I mean, I'm guessing it's it was a dog. I don't know why am I doing this. Um, and so these girls had stepped in it, and they're crying because their shoes are ruined and blah blah blah. And um, I think I had also stepped in it, but I was too embarrassed to say anything because they were all saying that this boy in our class, who was the only other brown kid in our class, and he was a little darker than me, so he was very visibly, a, a, you know, an Indian boy, um, that he had done it because he was brown and so he seeped shit, basically. And so I didn't tell the teacher that I had stepped in it because I was so afraid that they would think that I also was oozing poops. Like, this is like a four or five-year-old brain <laughs> who's like, that's a thing. That'll for sure happen. Um, and I like, I'm, I like scratched my shoe off in like the corner of the library and like just walked away very confidently it was like mm, solved it but like those are one of those that, that's one of those things that happens when you're younger and it just sort of informs your your life in a very weird way that it it totally it does just changes your perspective and I feel like it just it it it's one of those subtleties that that treats color or people of color as an imposition mm-hmm. as though there's there's something wrong wrong with, with them. you yeah and you, as a child, you take that in. It's not filtered through anything because you're impressionable. Yeah. But what I took from that story was, wow, that is one of the ways that we put whiteness on a pedestal mm-hmm. and how whiteness becomes the authority of who is acceptable and who is not. I, I think the other thing as an adult that I think about a lot is, like, who taught those girls that 
how do yeah. you mean like that? Yeah. Because you don't come out of the womb and you're like, mm, gross. Well, like, that's not happening. Well, that brings you back to that kind of that story that came out with those two little boys who were best friends and his wanted to get his hair cut oh, the same way. That is an eye roll. And everyone's like, oh, kids are so colorblind. They're so innocent. No, it's because they haven't been informed by the views of their parents yeah, yet. Yeah, something, something hasn't happened yet. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that either. I thought it was cloying. Well, I posted that on, on Facebook, and I said, in my usual, <laughs> this is bullshit. And people were like, why? It's so wonderful. Look at them. Well, they need Aren't something. They? I, yeah, they need, they I need a I understand. I understand that. But don't don't use this black kid as some 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 kid to assuage Well, it becomes your, an allegory. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah because, yeah, yeah. hmm, even though they're both named Dax, although... Wait, what? Yeah, they, they were, were both named like Dax. Okay, I hate these kids. Now. Okay, yeah, right. I don't like that. Dax. Uh, Dax. I don't. I know. I'm. I don't like get any high ground on making fun of other people's names, <laughs> but like, no, I. I do not accept that. Dax. That no, sounds it's like, like a cleaner, like a clog, like a, a drain clog. Thing. Yeah, totally. It's like naming English. your child kale with like like the vegetable. With the C. With the C. Kyle. That's just Kyle. <laughs> see, see how easy it is to get well, back to whiteness. Here we are. <laughs> I feel bad for that boy, honestly. From kindergarten, I think about him all the time because I because then the other thing it does is it makes you really mean to that person. Well, that's the other yeah. thing that I found really, really interesting. And the reason is is because basically you're singing my song, mm. and I'm like, oh my god, so and so in grade, blah blah yeah. blah blah blah. What did I do? What did, did I do? Why did yeah. I do it? And you're just trying to align yourself so that you won't be picked on. Mm -hmm. And I thought that story just encapsulated perfectly exactly that struggle that we go through yeah. as, you know, immigrant kids who grew up in Canada. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, like, a, uh, every so often someone on the internet thinks they've got, like, some gotcha moment on me where they'll send me a tweet and be like, oh, as if you've never been racist. And you're like, yeah, of course I have, but why do you think? Like, where do you think that's coming from? Everybody has at some point said something or acted in a way that is bad racially. Of course, but those are learned behaviors that we've picked up from media, from our family, from friends. If we don't want to be picked on, so we pick on somebody else. Mm -hmm. Like, of course there are ways, of yeah. course we've done this. Yeah. But, like, <laughs> like it's not like you're not telling me new information. Yeah. Like the difference is, is if you push against it, mm -hmm. that's it. Mm -hmm. And and if you teach your kids to not do that, that's sort of the other thing too. What do you think um, white parents should be teaching their kids about race? Oh God. I know. I'm that sorry. Is, no, I know. I get it. I mean, it's a really good question. I, First of all, they got to get rid of color, color blindness. It's nonsense. It's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not, first of all, it's not talked about. So when they talk about racism, and this is like K to 12 mm -hmm. and beyond, frankly, mm -hmm. they talk about it like it happened, mm -hmm. like it's all past tense. Like, <laughs> like, well, slavery was a thing, but everything's fine now. Don't worry about it. Let's do math. Like, it's yeah. like it, they don't. Nothing they don't, to see here. Right. Like, yeah. and, and, I, and part of it is like, again, institutions are white. So what ends up happening is the people who are controlling curriculums or who mm -hmm. are um, handling the actual dissemination of information in organizations like schools don't know how to talk about those things. Like I, or I, you receive so much pushback from parents. right. There's a lot of anxiety from parents, but please don't. I mean, we can't. Uh, some places we can't agree on evolution. So like, I don't know how mm -hmm. we're going to agree on something like 
is racism still happening? We can't even talk about sex ed in Ontario. Right, exactly. That was like a huge, a huge fight. Um, so th- that's like the f- first thing. I think about it a little differently because my niece, who's seven now, is uh, she's half white and she's half brown. So with her, because she's very white passing, I always think about trying to main. I, I don't want her to be self-loathing. Because that creates a lot of anger and it creates a real vortex of rage towards other people. So I don't want her to go through life like I did for a long time looking at other brown people and being resentful of their existence. Because when you see another, for me, I remember when I would see another brown person, it felt like somebody else would now be able to see me as that as well. I would become more visible that way and I didn't like it. And so it made me very cruel because I thought, okay, well, if I'm really shitty to you, then no one will think that we're the same. And then I can, I, and it never worked. Of course it never worked because every you can, you can see me <laughs> as soon as I walk in. I would hate for her to sort of go through life hating herself in that really particular way only to, you know, hit 20-something and realize like, oh, I can't fix this. I can't change it. This isn't even a problem to be solved and I just need to get over it. Mm-hmm. And she's going to be in a different spot where you're sort of tugged in two directions. Mm-hmm. Because she, half of her family is going to be white and that's going to be one version of your identity and the other half is super not white. Mm-hmm. So they're a whole separate thing. And, you know, a bunch of us are in India. Like, we're really brown. <laughs> so, like, I don't know. England, what... too, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, like, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't yeah. know what that will look like for her. But, you know, I, I, I think we all try to talk to her about it a lot. Yeah. And um, as someone who's mixed race, like, yeah. I, I found it, like, there were times in, when I was in, like, in grade school, elementary school, where I only had, like, super Asian friends yeah. who were all immigrants. Mm-hmm. And then they would speak Chinese. And I'd, like, I don't know what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And they'd be like, well, just learn Mandarin then. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, well, where am I supposed to go here? Oh. Because, like, no place is a place to fit. Yeah. Like, it comes... You, you don't know where to go. where to go. Yeah. And, I mean, I don't think she's got that. I mean, when I was younger, I sort of had the same thing. I took Indian dance classes, and all the girls that I did the classes with were... We used to say Fobby because that. Oh was yeah, like yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. you use that too. Yeah, They're fresh yeah. off oh, yeah. the boat. Oh, totally. Or there was yeah. like a but we said it with real affection. Like <laughs> yeah. at the, it, we did. Like yeah. we all said it. Like it. Like it we was didn't. like it was lovely. Right. As we I got older, either. we stopped saying it with affection. By the time yeah. I was high school, it was like yeah, not was nice. Yeah. 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 And then I will say, um, now in my mid twenties, I now that I talk to different brown people, when they say it, they say it with love again. They oh. say they really like it. They're the like, oh, so Fobby. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Chokers, flannel, fobs. Yeah. It's great. But, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. but it's interesting how that sort of all becomes very cyclical that everybody, you just, you all end up going home. Yeah. Isn't that true, though? Mm. Everybody do. ends up going home. You do yeah. end up going home. So, like, fight it all you want, man. But, like, no, you're gonna, no, you're gonna you never feel here. right. You never you feel right. You never feel right. Yeah. yeah. Which isn't to say that, like, there's a place that's going to, you know, when I go to India, it's not like I go there, I'm like, ah, my people. Like, I yeah, go there, no, and I'm no, like, no. ah, I'm confused. Like, it's But not... the whole thing is, is that, like, when I went back to Guyana, I wasn't Guyanese. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. then you're, you're basically American. Yeah. Yeah. I'm from foreign. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 So then you're kind of like. You're othered everywhere. You're everywhere. othered everywhere. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. you left home. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? So. And I find it, I'm, we're going to talk about this in, in the Canada 150, but um, I was reading an article and the, uh, by a Jamaican girl talking about Canada 150. And what she said was, 
I'm not even sure if I'm proud to be Canadian. I think we read that one too. Yeah. Oh, good. Then mm-hmm. I don't have to repeat it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, so given that this was a, like an article about Mayor Nenshi, yeah, yeah, I read a, I read what he said, and I have some quotes. Yeah, please do. Okay, <clears throat> just so we're clear, Erica has a pad of paper so, with handwritten notes. Very good handwriting. Thank you. I feel no way. I um, came here on white people time too. Okay, so I was dedicated. So did I. By Thank the you. Way. Yes, did you, you see did. How time I oh was? my god! I was like, did you see the look on my face? Like I know. I was startled. <laughs> this is the thing about like when you write a book is like you're on white people time the whole time. Yeah. You're like, oh, like I should be forty minutes late to this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it's stressful. I don't understand how they get it. I don't know done. how they do it. It's Anyway, here's a quote. There was never a moment growing up where I thought there was any job I couldn't do because of my race or religious background. Yeah. Yeah. I call bullshit. Yeah. I mean, I think what he's doing is the job of a politician, which is that you you don't want to, I get it, you don't want to stand up there and be like, you're not going to be able to do some stuff. Like that's, it's ridiculous to think that a politician is going to say that regardless of their ethnicity or their background or whatever else. But do I believe him? No. I think he's got a very specific kind of temperament that has allowed him to maybe not acknowledge a portion of the country, really, and how the country functions and and, and how the country perceives immigration and non-white people. I think that's what he's doing. But like... But do you, do you think that that's what you have to do to make it to the higher spaces in this country. But then it depends on what spaces you want to be in. Ooh. If you want to be in white spaces, maybe. Yeah. To some degree, you yeah. need a little bit of like, you need you... to ignore. I mean, I know this for myself. I have to ignore certain parts of my brain mm-hmm. to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because otherwise my brain's going to be like, mm, go home, go home, <laughs> go to bed. You're not going to, you can't do it. And part of that is, you know, j- j- just the, you know, regardless of my race or my gender, I'm a pessimist. So I'm mm-hmm. built like that. But then there's also this layer of like being a woman and how that sort of instructs your understanding of what you can do. And then also being, um, you know, not white and how that, so all of those things end up being really layered. So I don't know, but like, again, sometimes it means changing your understanding of what like successful is. Right. Right. right? And right. Like, who do you want to be successful to and for? Yeah. So there are, it, right. Yeah. And there are places that like I probably, I might not be successful at because of how I talk and what I talk about. I know that that's a choice I've made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's okay. I will find work and, and a room elsewhere. I mean, Buzzfeed's given me a tremendous amount of room mm-hmm. to talk about stuff like this. And I'm really glad about mm-hmm. that. And that's, that's great. So there, there, there are places for it. Um, but sometimes it does require just rethinking what that would mean. And I, I, I do, I do believe that he believes that he, you know, never, he never thought that about himself and Mm -hmm. that's, that's great, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Like I, I think he's being honest, Yes. but I don't know if it's the truth, but those are different things. Right. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, I think there are invisible forces that are hard that are subjective but I also think there are effects Mm -hmm. um but I think what he's talking about is is his version of what he believes and I what can I say like if Mm -hmm. you feel like that I'm not gonna make you feel I'm not gonna tell you that you should feel victimized that's right that's right yeah but I mean that's up to him I disagree Mm -hmm. I was raised in the same city yeah (laughs) like 
I don't and know. And later, too. And later, yeah. yeah uh, like, yeah, a good 10, 15 years later. So I I, I get, you know, he's he's choosing a different path. That's fine. I got I, that, too. I think by his existing in those spaces, he's making life a hell of a lot easier for a lot of brown kids in Calgary, and that's yeah. great. And so I'm very thankful that he's in that spot. I don't begrudge him any of it. I disagree with how he talks about some things, but I also think he's working in a different space than I am. He, he's, and he's older too, so right. what he had to, how he how he formed himself was different because he grew up in a different generation. Totally. Yeah, and yeah. and you talked about things differently. Then. Yes, but I think this is also true of like people were really frustrated with Obama and how he talked about race, right? And specifically about how he handled um, Trayvon police, Martin. Yeah, or, yeah poli- basically yeah. police violence or and violence generally mm-hmm. against like young black. Men, yeah, and men. And I get that. I completely understand the frustration with that. But again, you're asking somebody who is functioning, quite frankly, in a white system. Mm -hmm. So how can you be successful in that system if you are talking freely like like you would maybe privately? I don't know. I haven't figured that out for myself or for anybody. I haven't figured that out either. No one really has. (laughs) So you you have to, unfortunately, to be able to start shifting things, you have to be malleable in certain ways. And I know I do this for myself in certain places because I have to. Because otherwise I'm not going to be visible and then what can I do? Yep. But, like, we all do this in certain ways. We all have, you know, we all code code switch. We're all Mm. code switching, right? Mm. But, like, we're all, (laughs) we all have to do those things to be able to thrive. Otherwise, like. And a lot of people just aren't aware of it. Right. Yeah. They don't know. And like, but I, I, I don't advocate it. I don't think that you should have to do that. If you don't want to, don't. It just depends on where you want to function. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, some of those structures are not going to change without you first getting in there and doing some of the work to change it. And it might not change for you. It might change for somebody else. Yeah. So it is really like playing a long game, which is not sexy and not fun and not romantic and like there's there's no heroism in that really because yeah. you might not get any of the glory. Anyway, I'm a hero is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm really doing the Lord's work over here with this. Right, so it's time for Rendon Receipts where we each bring an article to share with the others. Um, so Sachi, we're going to inundate you with a whole bunch of content. Okay. I'm excited. I love content. Give me your content machine. (laughs) Okay. So, um, I have this titled the Canada 150 lie. (laughs) Okay. So, um, what do you think about the way Canada 150 is unfolding? Have you seen it around? Is it visible? I mean, I guess I'm ignoring it a little bit because I think it's silly and condescending. But it also seems very white. Go figure. Yeah. They seem to be picking and choosing the history they like to celebrate. Okay. In a very strategic. She's looking at her phone. (laughs) She's on a mission. I'm like, okay, so the series left out Acadians, McMag. Is Anglocentric, stereotypical representations of the French, Eurocentric view of First Nations. Where are the black contributions to Canadian history? I mean, sorry, I think just to be t- clear, you're talking about the CBC series, This Is yes. Us. Oh, sorry. This is, yes, sorry. Yeah. This Is Us, the CBC, has a, what is it, a 10 part series? Like yeah. a mini, mini series. Mini right? series. Yeah. And they are, I guess, showing it on television or whatever they're doing. And apparently it's caught some slack, some flack. And the list that I just read out is basically all the flack that they're catching, which I'm slightly 
happy about. I what I like about it is from from what it's like it sort of seems like it's very similar to what I learned when I was in social studies as a kid, which is like entirely about pelts. Okay, first of all, you said social studies. What big do you up. Call it? I say social studies. Do you? Yeah. yeah. What do you call it? Okay. I just thought it was an Alberta thing. I didn't. I didn't know. I think it's a Canadian thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think here we say social studies. It's the same way that we say like grade five. They don't say that. Yeah. Instead of fifth grade. Yeah. 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 Or we say PE. I used the word toque the other day to my editor who lives in LA, and she's like, "What is that?" It was a very upsetting moment for both of us. (laughs) It's a beanie. But then she she like tried to look it up, and she's like, "It's a doily." I'm like, "I got it. I'm quitting. (laughs) I'm quitting this job." Now, my question is, does CBC have the aptitude to be Canada's broadcaster if it leaves swaths of Canadians out of Canada's story? I mean, I feel like they've been doing that for a while. But the country's changing. Sure. But are they? Little Mosque on the Prairie, hello! Oh, yeah. That solved racism. It's a post-racial society because of Little Mosque on the Prairie. I don't know. I mean, I don't... Look. Like, I think... The CBC gets a lot of pressure to sort of be Canada's broadcaster, and, and I get, I get it. I mm-hmm. understand why it's you know, public funding and everybody freaks out about it. But like, I don't think PBS has to be America's broadcaster. Like again, it's one of those things of like because we're small, we expect these things from from media outlets like that, and it, it feels unreasonable. But I'm it, not saying that it's good that they're failing us. <laughs> to be clear, I'm not like great. That's not what I'm saying. But I, but I think it's like. I don't know if that's the question I would ask. Maybe the question I would ask would be like, "What do I? What do I want from them? And what, what do, do they you owe want me? from what them? What do they owe me? Yeah, like, that's what I would maybe think about. I don't know. I'll, I, I'm I'm ignoring all of this honestly. Like I find it like it's disheartening and it's weird. And also because like, yeah, I was born here, but I don't really feel of here. Like yes. my, my family's line in Canada starts yes. with me. Yeah, so it's kind of weird for me to watch it because it feels very distant. Not that that said, if I you know watch a documentary about like India's independence, I also wouldn't be like ah my people like it, yeah, it's yeah. again that sense it's of, it's that no man's land right right. So I, yeah. I don't have any connection to it. I don't do know th- anybody who does. Like, like do you think media has? Do you think in terms of 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 that that media or CBC? Just because, you know, our tax dollars go. My tax dollars damn well go to CBC. Yeah. I kind of want to see a little blackness. No, I get it. I think you that's know? a fair request. I, I, I think that's totally reasonable. I, mean, I just I, don't know if you're going to get it. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. That's yeah. the problem, I think, with what the, the question is, is that, you know, we want to have all this rep- representation. All these, you know, groups are angry at this series, but... If you're asking what we want as a viewer or as a consumer of the CBC, we want to see representation. But is I feel like also the other part of it is of that ourselves. No, oh, sorry. Yeah, no, of ourselves. Um, right? Yeah, I mean, other uh, other broadcasters also don't paint themselves as like the broadcaster for the country. So if you're going to do that, you will end up having obligations to the people that you're saying you're representing. So that's also part of. I the think problem. basically the CBC is in a no-win situation. Yeah. Well, we all they are. could be doing better though. I. She's cutting us off. Oh yeah! (laughs) Wow, I just got white timed. (laughs) No, because now I no, because you know you'll you'll keep talking for forty minutes if you don't listen. We'll just cut it. We'll just cut it at my sentence. It's fine. You and I spent like five minutes talking about Edmonton, like assholes. We've got to go to the next. 
Yeah. So the story that I'm bringing comes from a website called Intersectional Analyst, where they try to make sense of complex social problems through information visualization and data-driven discussions. So um, one thing that is prevalent in the food industry is that a lot of people probably don't realize is that there are an alarming rate of white people who consider themselves to be experts or authorities on ethnic cuisine. So last September, uh, Bon Appetit magazine came under fire for promoting a video starring uh, a chef named Tyler Aiken called This is How You Should Be Eating Pho. Spoiler, he was white. (laughs) Tyler. Uh, Yeah, Tyler, super white. Like Kyle. (laughs) So um, the story uh, that I was looking at uses uh, data from the New York Times cooking database, which has over 17,000 recipes. And of the 263 Chinese recipes that were authored on the site, 90% were authored by white people, with just shy of 10% by Chinese people. Of the 216 recipes labeled as Indian food, 90% were authored by white people, and only 5% by actual Indian people. And in the Caribbean-listed countries, um, which were all lumped together... (laughs) Keep your your eyes in your head. (laughs) There were 102 recipes with 88.2% authored by white people, 15 of which were authored by the same woman. <laughs> Who, on her website, there's an Is image of... Is it Rachel of, Dolezal? It was Rachel Dolezal. No, but it might as well be. She's probably the Rachel Dolezal of, F, of, of Caribbean cooking because she's amongst a whole array of black people on the Every, like, splash of her website. Something. It's all jerk whatever. You know what? That shit's photoshopped. Have you seen it? What is no, it? I didn't look at it. Oh my gosh, what? that picture! She has this picture on her website. This this um, cook or or chef or whatever, and she's in the middle of a bunch of black people. Yes, ah! yes. But guess what? They're not looking at her. Okay. So I'm like, you Photoshop that shit. That's even more insulting. Like I I can't even. She's, but the thing got, that I've she's like got black friends. <laughs> she's got she's got at least five. I've had I've had this discussion with people before, and like people just don't see this as a big deal. They're like, yeah. "Oh, you're just like blowing on things out of proportion." And I'm like, "No, like it's a type of erasure because you're erasing people's culture, and you're having white people say that they're the authority of something that they're that not they really the authority yeah. of." Yeah, I mean, it's also condescending for I, I think for people whose food this actually is when it becomes popular because a bunch of white people talk about it. Yeah, it's not good until white people until say white it's people okay. Say it's, I think Munchies had a really good piece about Chinese uh, Chinese food and Chinese cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't, I'm failing to remember who wrote it, but I think she was she was talking about it. You know, she she was that weird kid who ate like intestines and and basically protein that we don't consider average in North America and now all of a sudden a lot of that shit's really popular because a bunch of white dudes are like cool yeah I feel this about Indian food all the time where like it was gross when I was a kid and it's been in the last like 15 years that there's been this big boon there's also a question about like what you pay for certain cuisines right right. so Mm -hmm. like Italian food's expensive Indian food's pretty I would say it's pretty pricey in certain places but Chinese food has to be cheap Vietnamese food has to be cheap um like you know Most what I mean, of the, like, like Eastern Asian. Country, yeah, a lot of them. I, cheaper. Yeah, and so, and so there's this kind of pay scale on like what will you pay for, and that's why everybody kind of trips over themselves when there's like a fusion restaurant that mm-hmm. it sometimes charges you more for. It's not only a race issue; it's a class issue. Oh yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I 
was at a place and I saw Jamaican patty, not a Jamaican place, not a Caribbean place. It was basically like a coffee shop, okay, that serves food. Was it food. seven dollars? Six. It was six. It was six dollars, and they used jalapeno. And I'm oh. like, no. On what planet does do they grow jalapeno? Do they use it in the cooking? No, Scotch bought it, but it's this remixing of a culture that was that they mocked, yeah. and then selling it back to you yeah. at an elevated price. Mm-hmm. And that's what just sticks in my craw and that's why the eye roll. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm glad your ocular nerves did not snap. <laughs> All right, that does about does it for the, this week's podcast. Um, you can catch us on Twitter at Bad and Bitchy, on Instagram at Bad and Bitchy Pod, and you can send us love notes at badnbpod at gmail And don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Thank you. Bye. Stay bitchy, y'all. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> My bitch is bad and bullshit.